everyone, and welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News. It's 1996, the nation's leading news in automotive lending and leasing. It is Monday, February 26th. I'm Amanda Harris, joined by Riley Wolfbauer. This is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending February 23rd, 2024. In automotive news, Beijing-based Li Auto reported net income of $1.6 billion last year, becoming the first of the three major Chinese EV upstarts to post an annual profit on the heels of an increase in vehicle shipments. The automaker's revenue and deliveries were also better than expected. In auto finance news, we had several earnings this week. Carvana's originations were down about 4% sequentially and nearly flat year over year in the fourth quarter at 1.5 billion as a retailer tightened credit standards and enhanced its credit scoring and pricing structures. Other GPU, which includes finance and insurance profits, fell about 26% quarter over quarter, but rose 24% year over year to $1,945. Retail sales declined about 12% year over year to about 76,000 units. On the electric vehicle front, Rivian Automotive is expanding leasing after launching the option in November for select R1T and R1S models across 15 states. The EV maker's deliveries rose 73.5% year-over-year in the fourth quarter, while production picked up 75% year-over-year. Still, Rivian cut 10% of its salaried workforce amid static demand. The company's production guidance for 2024 of 54,000 units came below Bank of America's original forecast of 67,000 vehicles. Lucid Motors, too, is implementing a new technology platform and working to streamline financing through Lucid Financial Services. On a sequential basis, luxury EV makers' deliveries rose 19% and 54% respectively. Slowing EV sales are also prompting more incentives and price cuts across the industry, as we've seen sales be pretty mixed, uh, largely bolstered by a 21% year-over-year decrease in the average Tesla Model Y, price to $50,000 in January. And we'll have more on that to come. We also did a deep dive into the add-on product market. So we have two features up on this. Um, as vehicle profitability shrinks following multiple years of strong profits driven by supply constraints and high demand, finance and insurance profitability is even more key for dealers. So F&I made up on average about 23.8% of publicly traded dealership profits in Q3, and that is second only to the parts and service business. And sales of aftermarket products such as vehicle service contracts, tire and wheel protection, guaranteed asset protection coverage, and prepaid maintenance has still proven strong, with many dealers seeing an increase in sales on a year-over-year basis in 2023. On the other hand, retailer profit per unit was projected to fall 28.5% year-over-year in January as fewer vehicles are sold above MSRP. And as dealers look to boost financing penetration rates and ancillary product sales, lenders must be aware of dealership pricing and practices to manage their own risk when it comes to add-on product allowances. However, there is little data available on the exact size and makeup of the market or on pricing of individual products and deals due to how the market functions and the variation from state to state and even by deal through deal. Our full feature dives into these themes as well as the increased adoption of digital F&I as a way to better track the market and boost F&I activity. So if you'd like to learn more about the market, the after product sales market, definitely read the full feature. Um, the ancillary product market is also a hot topic for regulators as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Federal Trade Commission are looking closely at how lenders manage the addition of aftermarket products within retail installment contracts, 
and how financers issue refunds when an add-on product is canceled. So Riley, that was your feature. So you have the details there. Why don't you go ahead and share what the takeaways are? Yeah, so as you just said, as we all know, regulators have been cracking down on this segment of the market um, just to ensure that consumers are treated fairly and receive um, the benefits that they get out of the products as well as receive refunds for unused products or if they cancel products. Um, but one of the largest issues that all of our lender audience obviously knows is that the issue with refunds is each state has different guidelines as to how many days it needs to take for the refund to be issued to the consumer after the product's canceled. Um, each state looks at the calculations a little bit differently as well. So it's very difficult to have a holistic um, compliance process set up to apply to all of them, like lenders have to go state by state. And so it's very difficult to track. And one of the focal points in my feature was then focusing on the addition of the CARS rule. Well, the potential addition of the CARS rule because it's being challenged by um, NADA and the Texas Automobile Dealers Association. So the CARS rule is supposed to, it was set out by the FTC to be put in effect in July, but that could be postponed um, until the uh, the the case is heard by the Fifth U.S. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals as to whether or not this law can go in effect or not. So really what the FTC cars rule is trying to do, it's FTC wants dealers to provide the full purchase price to consumers with the add-on products included, make it clear that these products are optional to the consumer. They also had to get express content from the consumer to add these onto the contract. And then one of the big focal points and the big question marks that comes from this is refrain from adding products that don't provide a benefit to the consumer, such as, and like one of those examples is like a warranty program that duplicates on top of the manufacturer warranty. Not that dealers are doing that, but like that's one of the examples that the FTC set out. So the biggest question mark with that is how the FTC is going to differentiate between what is a beneficial product and what's not a beneficial product, as well as how much a dealer can charge for those as well. So it's putting the focus more on the dealer to protect the consumer but also lenders still need to be aware of it because a lender doesn't want to be underwriting a contract that has a unnecessary product added on. So lenders, there's potential for lenders to also get caught up in this. And a way lenders can avoid is by coaching their dealers and going through with them and looking at the deal jackets as to assess which products are beneficial and which are not. Um, that's like really the huge takeaway. Um, and if you want to find out more about aftermarket compliance, go check out the feature. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of those things came up at uh, in ADA too, just on the lender side of things, really having to know, like you talked about, like, you know, they are at risk as well, right? If they are, they could be beholden to any, you know, actions taken against the dealer as the financer. So that's something that, you know, they always have to make sure their dealers are working within compliance. And then the one of the big challenges is that gray area you mentioned of, you know, how determines what 
value the product holds unless it's a very stark obvious example like they give right but then the thought is well no one's no reputable dealers really doing some of these things so what you might fall into is some of these kind of gray area things and that could cause some challenges as far as you know maintaining compliance and as, as challenges to sales too right like if you're not sure uh might hold off on selling some things that could, mm-hmm. could maybe hurt penetration rates down the road um, we just don't know what the fallout might be from the cars rule if it does get put in place um as is or if it'll get changed um we'll have to we'll have to wait and see but definitely a big topic for compliance and for dealership profits and for lenders as well so we'll be definitely following closely we do have a webinar coming up on this topic as well it's coming up next month um registrations open for that too so if you want to hear more about aftermarket product compliance make sure you go to our website and register for the webinar it's gonna be really great uh riley's gonna host that so <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun um so if you enjoy listening to us here i'm sure you'll enjoy listening to that podcast as well uh, so make sure you register for that well that'll be it for today's episode um tune in this week for more ev news and other updates in the auto finance industry Thank you for joining us on the roadmap and be sure to follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter and LinkedIn. And we will see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.